Welcome to Headliner the Podcast with your hosts, Stephen Heckberg and Philip Goudreau. This week is part of their conversation with Derek Lothian of the Insurance Brokers Association of Saskatchewan around advocacy in the media. Derek, so my my big question here is, what do you do if you find yourself suddenly the target, and I won't even call it of a media advocacy campaign necessarily, but certainly you've popped up, there's, a, there's news stories that you're part of, it's going to prompt people to look at your organization or perhaps uh, introduce a topic into the public sphere that you've been working on for a long time and you've managed and it hasn't been part of the public sphere, but now suddenly it is. A, has that ever happened to you? And B, if it happens to you, what do you think the, the lessons you've learned out of it have been? So that's a good question. And I, I guess the, the one example that comes to mind, uh, you know, recently was uh, we had one uh, federal politician uh, from an insurance background run for office not that long ago. And um, there were questions that, that came out from the media on whether or not uh, this individual had the, <laughs> the credentials uh, to call themselves uh, an insurance broker. And uh, there were some, some very specific questions and the way that they posed those questions to us were very nuanced. So, for example, it was along the lines of, could you be unlicensed and still work for an insurance brokerage? Uh, and of course, the answer to that is different than what they're really asking is was this person qualified to call themselves an insurance broker? Uh, and when you try to give the nuanced response to their specific question, it became very apparent that we were not going to be able to communicate complex regulatory or licensing uh, information in an email or, you know, on a radio or, or in a television interview. Uh, we tried and we failed, to be honest with you. Um, and, and it was compounded by the fact that the, you know, the, the media question that initially uh, reached out to us was, was asking the question uh, in English, but they were reporting in French. Uh, of course, we provided the, the response in, in English and it was translated and actually it was mistranslated uh, from English to French and then retranslated back again from French back to English. And so all that nuance was not only lost, but in fact, it, it got turned around to the point that what was being reported was actually fundamentally the opposite of what we had commented uh, and, and so if there were some, some lessons that came from that, it was, I, I guess, number one, don't expect nuance to get understood or reported on. You know, understand the question that they're really asking, not just the question that they're giving you. Because I think all too often, you know, and, and it's not the fault of journalists, it's their job, it's what they're good at. They ask questions in a way to, uh, to compel you to answer it in a specific way. 
And sometimes when you're when you're dealing on a very complex issue, uh, or you're you know within a, a really uh, complicating industry, there's uh, a hesitation to try and boil it down to that soundbite. That that okay. Well, what are you? What are they trying to get out of this? You want to give them all that that context and that nuance. And it's simply uh, an exercise in, in uh, futility, right? You, you might get one or two quotes. You might get a, a, a 10 second sound bite on the evening news. And unless you can figure out how to answer that uh, in the succinct way that they're looking for, it's always going to be missing. It's, it shouldn't say always. It's usually going to be uh, either A, misinterpreted, or B, it's going to come across in a way that you didn't want it to come across. And so I think it was a really good lesson in being deliberate with, with knowing your message and sticking to it and, and letting the nuance, letting go of it, right? We all think we're, we're you know, we come from unique communities, we're in unique industries, and Yes, we're we're very unique, but you got to boil that down. You you got to you got to speak in a way that is consumable when you're dealing through the media. I guess that would be the the the, the chief lesson that I learned through that process, Stephen. Uh, my next question, Phil, and and jump in if you've got uh, one. But uh, my next question actually has to do with why are some advocacy campaigns successful? And and this is more from you as an observer. Uh, but for example, I'm always surprised that uh, parents of children with autism, when they advocate for more autism resources or more autism support services, invariably that campaign is successful. And yet when you see parents advocate for other resources in the school system, it doesn't tend to produce the same results. So I'm wondering if you as an observer have either seen the same thing in Saskatchewan, but B, if that's true, what, what do you think is the difference between ones that work and ones that don't? a good question. I'm not sure I have a great answer for you because I, I do think that the the difference is such a razor thin line sometimes um, that it's hard to say, okay, well, this is the formula where it's going to work and this is the formula where it's not because those two campaigns and your strategy for approaching them could be virtually indistinguishable. I will say that from personal experience, the best way to maximize your chance for success is to find your internal champions to carry your message forward for you. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll use, uh, you know, sort of that, that GR space as, as an example when it comes to advocacy. So if you're walking, um, you know, if, if you're in the media, if you're engaged on a topic, whether that be a, you know, a public health or a public policy topic that you're trying to advance, Yes, you can you can you can approach that from a very public perspective. But when you're having those conversations, you also have to realize and, and appreciate that so cabinet is hearing what's going on, the policymakers or the MLAs or the committees are hearing what's going on in, in, in the public. And they're taking and they're discussing, okay, well, what do they want us to do about this issue behind the scenes? So, you know, around the, the committee table or the cabinet table, and they're having those policy discussions that are informed by their, the bureaucrats as well. And so I would say the, the situations that I've, I've seen most impactful are those where you have an internal champion around those, that, that table making your argument for you. 
So, you know, if, if we're launching a, a public safety campaign, for instance, or we want a, a particular action to be taken to enhance consumer protection, I'm going to find the influential, influential cabinet minister around the table who resonates with that issue. And I'm going to make sure they understand the nuances of it. I'm going to make sure that they understand what we want to have happen. And I'm going to make sure that we are making, that we are providing his staff or her staff uh, all of the information that they need to be successful when they're having those conversations so that they can be informative to their colleagues as well. And so it's less about, okay, well, how are we going to push this issue and compete with you know, all the other issues that are out there for, for airtime in the public sphere? How are we going to make sure that A, it gets onto the agenda where a decision can be made to advance our priorities? And then B, how are we going to make sure that we have an internal champion that, that is informed that can do our work to advance it where the decisions are being made. So I, I would say it's less about it's less about that macro external strategy and it's more about being deliberate again in your relationships and advancing them internally. I think what I'm hearing is, as with all things that you're going to do uh, in communications, you should have a plan. Uh, and you should know why you're going to do advocacy through the media much in the same way as you would know why you're not going to do advocacy in the media. So one, one of the things that you know, my, my education and my experience has taught me is that everything, everything in public relations is sales. Everything in business is sales. But I think that's especially true when it, when it comes to, to public relations. And in sales, in a traditional sales environment, you have you know, CRM software or, you know, customer relationship management software. And you plug all of that, your, your customer data into that, uh, their sales history, you know, their, their buying preferences, their, all that kind of stuff is in one place. I've actually, in my, my own career, adopted a rudimentary, <laughs> admittedly, it's, it's a little bit basic, but it is a, a similar approach to how we manage our advocacy relationships. So we do keep a, you know, I keep a spreadsheet that does have all of the individuals that we connect with, both from a media standpoint as well as from a government standpoint. And that it's a pretty extensive database. We know, you know, we, we track, okay, well, who are these individuals? What are their portfolios? What are their interests? What were the last uh, contacts or communications we had with them? What did we talk about? What are some of the personal things that we need to know about them? Uh, all of that sort of nuanced information is quantified. It's tracked, right? We don't leave, we don't leave that kind of stuff to chance. I think the most prepared in a lot of advocacy campaigns, the most prepared is the most successful. Uh, and so you do have to put in that extra step to be informed, to go to do more. It's 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 really not unlike any other business. Either you have to out-innovate the competition or you have to outwork them. And so if you can if you can figure out your strategy for how to do one of those two things and do it well, I will tell you, most organizations, whether they be advocacy-based organizations, associations, or businesses, or or not-for-profits, they don't do a very good job at that. They they come into these things in a very reactionary uh, basis. And so if you can, if you can out innovate them, if you can out prepare them, you will win nine times out of 10, I guarantee you. 
Always good advice. Always good to talk to Derek Lothian. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us on our podcast, uh, our two part podcast series on advocacy in the media. Uh, what works, what doesn't. Uh, we're going to come back at you next week with uh, with conversations around guerrilla PR, uh, and uh, look forward to hearing from you. Thanks so much for joining us, Derek. Uh, see you next time. I'm in Saskatchewan. Awesome. It's a dry cold. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Headliner, the podcast. If you want to know more about how you can improve your organization's communication strategies, visit headlinerthebook.com. We'll see you next week.